open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The True God, One in Three, and Three in One. O come, let us worship Him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is His also. It is His, and He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
O Lord, I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lord, I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. The Old Testament lesson for the first Sunday after Trinity is written in the 15th chapter of Genesis, beginning at the first verse. After these things, the Lord's word came to Abram in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me since I go childless? And he who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, you have given no children to me, and behold, one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the Lord's word came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but he who will come out of your own body will be your heir. The Lord brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens, and count the stars, if you are able to count them. He said to Abram, So shall your offspring be. He believed in the Lord, who credited it to him, for righteousness. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fourth chapter of the first epistle of St. John, beginning at the sixteenth verse. Brothers, we know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and he who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love has been made perfect among us, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, even so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has punishment. He who fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen? This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should also love his brother. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Now there was a certain rich man, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, living in luxury every day. A certain beggar named Lazarus was taken to his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Yes, even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The beggar died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in the same way, bad things. But here he is now comforted. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, that those who want to pass from here to you are not able, and that no one may cross over from there to us. He said, I ask you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, so they won't also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one rises from the dead. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle begins this morning with verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Last week on Trinity Sunday, we meditated upon and heard about the divine nature of God, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity, which is incomprehensible to us, yet revealed to us in the flesh and blood of Christ. Today, in all our readings, we have revealed to us the divine character of God, that is, that God is love. God is love. It's a beauty and a truth that we meditate upon, but it feels so dangerous to say because we've had it thrown in our faces for years now with people saying, God is love, so don't be a bigot. Love is love and God is love, but you Christians are full of hate and so on. It feels dangerous to say because the world likes to take that word love, then hollow it of any meaning it may have had, and then fill it Fill it in with whatever meaning it wants. So love defined by the world comes to mean emotion and feelings or a sense of self-fulfillment at the expense of others. To the world, it also comes to mean only an erotic love of sexual satisfaction or sexual identity, again at the expense of others, even at times at the expense of the self. Or love becomes about what political tribe you're in or the social justice code you hold. So if you believe like me, says the world, then you love. But if you disagree with me, says the world, about race or sex or the environment, then you're a hateful bigot or you have a stupid bleeding heart. And once you've figured out how the world defines love today, it'll change by tomorrow. 
Because what the world considers love, if you've noticed from the past 50 years, what the world considers to be loving is not an everlasting definition of love or concept of love, but it's constantly shifting. But that's not the love that St. John means in his epistle today. He says, God is love. Love being here the Greek word agape, which means a divine love, an eternal, unchanging love, an act of love that is self-giving for the other. It's the love that exists between the unity of the Trinity. It is the love that led God to create the earth and the heavens and mankind in his image. God created all of it so he could love his creation and give of himself to his creation from all eternity. This eternal act of self-giving love has not been known by mankind since the fall. That's why the world is always seeking to define it. Sinful man simply cannot understand this love of God because Adam, when he sinned, he cut himself off from God and from all love that flows from God. The only love that sinful mankind is capable of is a perverted love that turns inward, that serves only the desires of the flesh, that uses anyone and everyone else for those selfish desires. And in losing divine love, man lost his life as well. And from the toddler that steals a toy, to those who engage in one-night stands, to nations who go to war because of greed, everywhere we see that all mankind is turned inwards and only loves the self and uses everyone else as he pleases. And we're very familiar with these sins of selfish love because we all have fallen into them in our lives. Last week, we heard how if we want to know the divine nature of God, we are not capable of learning about it from our reason, but it had to be divinely revealed to us. Well, same with today. If we want to know the divine character, the divine love of God, we're not capable of knowing it on our own or of creating that love in ourselves on our own to know God. No, God's love, like his nature, is far beyond us. It's, we're blind sinners. We can't see it. To know his love, we need it divinely revealed to us. And he reveals his love to us the same way he reveals his nature to us. In the body and blood of Christ crucified. We heard it last week. John in his gospel says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The eternal love of God was revealed to us in time, in the fullness of time, in the incarnation, when, as we confess, for us men and for our salvation, the Father sent the Son from heaven, and the Son was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And that part of the creed which we traditionally have bowed for in the church and there's a reason for that, not just because we're confessing Christ's humiliation, but also we're confessing the Father's love for us in sending the Son to assume our flesh. Sending the Son to go to Golgotha, to give his body for you as it was nailed to the cross, to pour out his blood for you as he hung on the cross, died, and had his side pierced. Pouring out his blood for you until no blood or life was left in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Forget what the world says about love and stop looking for a definition of it in the dictionary or in your experiences. It's not there. 
Instead, meditate on the image of divine love that God has given and revealed to us, Christ crucified. That is the image of agape. That is the image of the divine, eternal, unchanging love. That is the image of God's active, self-sacrificing love for you. From this image, from the flesh and blood of Christ crucified, God shows his love as he unites you to his son's death in the waters of baptism, where your sinful flesh, with its perverse, selfish love, is put to death in Christ. God shows his love to you in baptism, where the last breath Jesus breathed on the cross is there in the waters breathed into your nostrils, giving you life anew. God shows his love in baptism, where in the waters you put on the flesh and blood of Christ, and there you wear his righteousness, where he took your sin. God shows his love to you in the resurrection of the flesh and blood of Christ crucified, into which you are also baptized, so that now and until the last day you carry with you the hope of the resurrection, when we will rise with our crucified Savior and be just like him, with all sin removed. That's our hope. Then St. John goes on to say, We have come to know and believe that love that God has for us because we have been baptized in that love, in Christ crucified, so that if we abide in love, it's because he first loved us, and in baptism we abide in that love. We've come to abide in that love in baptism, in Christ crucified, in God himself. And if we abide in his love, he abides in us. So that of this love, John continues saying, By this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Well, consider that for a moment. God's love is perfected, that is, God's love is completed, fulfilled, consummated among us, the baptized. When we are baptized into Christ crucified, when we hear Christ crucified proclaimed from the pulpit, when we receive the body of Christ crucified by eating his body and drinking his blood, then his love is perfected, consummated among us and in us so that he now abides in us. And to prove that God's love is completed in us, he says, John says that fear is cast out. Now, this isn't the fear of reverence that we have toward God, as in fear, love, and trusting in him, like we say in the Catechism. But the fear that John is talking about here is the fear, dread, and terror of divine punishment and wrath that we deserved. So that when God's love is perfected in us, that fear is tossed out. Because when the love of Christ crucified is perfected in us, faith believes it fully, without doubt, that Christ in his flesh and blood paid the price fully for our sin. And if he paid the price of God's wrath for us, and if his love is perfected in us, and it creates faith in us to believe it without doubt, then there is no room for fear. 
because all punishment is gone and all that is left is the divine love of God as God abides in us. The love of God and faith leave no room for fear because it believes fully in what Christ has done. And so now, even now, for us baptized before death, we are not like the rich man in hell and terrible anguish of the flames. We don't fear the terrible anguish of the flames. We are more like Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Better yet, we're like the beloved disciple in the bosom of our Lord without any fear. Because God loves us and showed us that love in Jesus Christ, in Christ crucified, who took all the divine wrath for us. And of this divine love that casts out fear, John says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If God's love is eternal, if God's love broke into time in Christ crucified, if that love is given us in the word and sacrament and casts out all fear so that our cup always overflows, then we are now able to love because he first loved us. Now notice the rich man in our gospel lesson. He was a Jew, a child of Abraham, where he was included in the promise of Abraham by way of his circumcision into the Old Testament. All around the rich man, in the temple and the synagogues, was the word of God for him to listen to and receive in his heart, but he ignored it. But yet, make no mistake, God loved the rich man and loved him first. After all, the rich man was circumcised on the eighth day. What works could he have performed, this rich man, to win God's favor in eight days out of the womb? No, God loved him first, and God loved him first and made his cup overflow. Because what better blessing could there be before Christ than to be born into God's chosen people? And so, as the rich man wore fine clothes and ate from an endless supply of rich food, he most likely went to the temple every holy day and to the synagogue every Sabbath, doing all the things it's assumed a good Jew would do. He wanted to look like a good Jew on the high end of society. And yet at his gate was put Lazarus, a poor sick man, so that the rich man no doubt saw Lazarus every day since the day Lazarus was put there. And did this rich man, this seemingly good Jew, did he love his brother? As his cup overflowed, did he love his brother? No. He ignored Lazarus. Even when the dogs pitied Lazarus, the rich man ignored him. The rich man did not love his brother whom he could see every day. As if the rich man told God, Yes, Lord, I'll pray, forgive us our trespasses. Yes, yes. But I will not forgive those who trespass against me. Or maybe let's put it another way. Maybe he prayed, Yes, Father, make my cup overflow with your love of making me a son of Abraham by giving me fine clothing, by giving me the most exquisite food and an endless supply of it. Just don't let my cup overflow to my brother Lazarus. 
That was the heart of the rich man. He didn't know God. He didn't know God's love. And the love of the rich man was turned in on himself. Here's the thing with this. With not loving our brother who we can see. When we ask God to forgive us, but not to let that forgiveness overflow through us to others. Or to let the love of God overflow through us to others. It's asking God to cut off his forgiveness and his love from us. When we ask God to not let our cup overflow into our brother's cup, it's asking God to stop pouring into our cup at all and to let it go dry. Because it's not the nature of God to forgive us a little or even quite a bit or a lot. It's not the nature of God to fill up our cup just a bit or halfway, or even just to the brim. It is the nature of God, the love of God, the character of God, to give of himself so much so that our cup overflows. And if he doesn't give to the point that our cup overflows, he doesn't forgive or love at all. So there's no asking him to fill up our cup a little bit or just forgive us a little bit so that our brother doesn't get any. It's all or nothing. If we were not to love our brother who we can see, we would be cutting off ourselves from the love of God, from Christ crucified, from his forgiveness, from his resurrected life. When we fail to love our brother who we can see, we're cutting ourselves off from Christ crucified. And see what happens when the rich man cuts himself off from the love of God whom he can't see because he hated his brother whom he could see. See what's left after God's love is rejected. Anguish in the flames of divine wrath. Because when God's love is rejected, all that's left is wrath. But God first loved us. And in loving us, he cast out all fear from us. And with all fear cast out, we now love others as his new creations. That is to say, we simply let God's forgiveness, his love, overflow from our cups into the cups of others. That's just our new nature in baptism, strengthened in the sacrament. So what we're being told here is don't fight the new nature. Don't fight being baptized into Christ. Let your cup overflow into the cups of others. And if you're wondering, what brother do I love and give to? Read the text. Simply look around. It says, you'll notice a brother in need just as easy as it was for the rich man to look at Lazarus at his gate. There are brothers in need everywhere. Just look. Look who God put in front of you. And where you see a brother in need, love him. Even if he doesn't deserve it. Actually, especially if he doesn't deserve it. Because God first loved us when we deserved nothing but wrath. And in loving us, he took that wrath. So there's no fear left in us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh,
upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O God, the strength of all them that put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing without you, grant us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended 
Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day 
we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.